Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Today we're talking about the magical secrets and occult stuff and that within Alice in Wonderland. Now I've got a little bit of a confession to make, Chris. And that is that I have watched Alice in Wonderland when I was a kid, but I haven't watched it since. So I don't really remember much about the story. I know there's something about a Mad Hatter. I know there's something about a talking rabbit and a load of other stuff. So can you quickly sum up the story super quickly for me? Yeah, Not sure. Not on the spot or anything. <laughs> it's fine, I'm used to it. So anyway, yeah, so uh, Through the Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland are both stories by Lewis Carroll. And Disney decided to kind of mix them up a little bit and do a Disney version, as they do, uh, which is almost entirely Adventures of Alice. But then there's a few bits that are in it that aren't in Adventures of Alice and actually from the Through the Looking Glass story. But the gist is she's sat having um, lessons done with her, her mother or a, I guess it might be a what do you call them? A nanny of some description. And then I'm assuming she falls asleep. And she goes through this dream world. So in that, obviously, she chases a white rabbit down a hole. And then goes through different parts of the world. So she ends up in a room and then she gets shrunken and then dropped down. We definitely do a bit about magic potions, I think, in there. Um, where she makes a potion, it has a potion that... Sh- sh- uh, shrinks her and then anything she eats seems to make her massive um which I know we, we know a few people like that i think um definitely of the pagan variety <laughs> and then yeah and then she kind of goes through a series of kind of mad mad adventures while things are going on so she gets a story from tweedledee and tweedledum about the um the stupidity of oysters or better known as the walrus and the comp- carpenter um and then she goes and has a tea party with the mad hatter and the um the march hare and then she meets cheshire cat i remember sure. the mad hatter and the cheshire cat though and the queen of hearts those those three are the characters that i stick in my mind alice don't much stick in my mind but those three characters do so oh, there's talking flowers and singing flowers that bit's actually from through the looking glass that's not actually in the adventures of alice okay. uh, but we could definitely do something about um animism and plants animism. there i guess yeah animism we like a bit of animism and then obviously yeah there's the last bit where she goes and helps some carp pluck playing cards paint some roses red uh because they planted the wrong ones and then the queen gets involved uh, yeah. they play croquet and then she gets a um, a stupid trial, and then she wakes up. There you go. Summary yeah. done. So, so if we start within the the story concept, you've got the kind of deeper down the rabbit hole, which is what people talk about very often when they talk about magical practice and the occult. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? It's yeah. like the whole. Even they say it in the Matrix, don't it? Take the blue pill or take the red pill. You either stay where you are or you progress more. But if you progress further, it's going to get stranger and you're going to have to throw, you know, you're going to be going and breaking down your paradigm. So one thing that springs to mind 
is um, the mad ramblings of crazy occultists. Because you've got the people... <laughs> the mad play, hatter. Well, kind of, to, an, to a certain extent. Because, I mean, it's difficult to distinguish, I think, for a lot of people that are starting on this path. Who is crazy and who is just... Yeah, who actually has knowledge. Who's profoundly knowledgeable, right? Because if you listen to the New Agers that channels aliens from the Pleiades, you might be thinking, <laughs> well, that's a little bit crazy and cuckoo and stuff like that. But at the same time, when you're listening to people talking about conjuring up spirits and stuff, you might also think that's kind of crazy. And then you've also got just general spell casting. So it's often a case of finding out what how deep down that rabbit hole they are where is their what is the what does their paradigm look like because mm -hmm. your all of your witches and stuff like that obviously they'll be deeper down that power that that rabbit hole which is almost like a maze i think to a certain extent because a lot of people will go and they'll find more like a dead end and they get stuck there and then I see it certainly when they talk about the crooked path within witchcraft. You get so far and you reach a dead end, and then you have to uh, reverse you mean those uh, those uh, PKTWs. Yeah, you have to reverse back, and then you go down a different avenue, and then you get a little bit mm -hmm. further. So there's one of those sorts of things. So how do you assess someone's paradigm and how far down that rabbit hole they are? And when you've got people that talk to you. Is there anyone that you feel is further down that that rabbit hole than you are? And if they are, how do you know that they are and they're not just crazy? <laughs> um, I suppose I just compare them to the ramblings that you come out with, I guess. Okay. Um, am I the crazy no. one in this or am I the enlightened one in this? I think you're the mad hatter. Okay. Um, the only problem is I don't think you'd know how to make a hat if you tried. Unless no, it's made out of those crowns things, you know, you get out of the crackers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably what you'd do. You'll be the one I've rocking off the corner. I've worn it to the, the dumb supper. I've got a Harris hat, mm. a proper one as well, a proper old school. Came from an antique yeah. shop and everything. The only problem is you don't like hot drinks, really, do you? So, well, yeah, unless okay. it's hot chocolate. And I, I, don't, I don't think like they'd give you half a cup of hot chocolate. But to be fair, wouldn't the Mad Hatter be the sort which does take like hot chocolate with all of the whipped cream and all sorts of weird sparklers and shit in it? Or no, would it be tea. Yeah, but is that tea is that tea really that crazy? Or maybe it's that special tea that we're not. No, it's to probably got peyote in it, to be honest. It it's empty? probably that but it's probably got some peyote in it. It's one of those that makes me think of that scene from Will and Grace where she goes, uh, do you take peyote or lemon in your tea? And that, yeah, sorry, rabbit hole. Um, I can't remember what your question was. But yeah, how oh, you, sorry. How do you assess someone Because they'll think you're crazy, won't they, in general? Well, most people think we're crazy anyway, because, you know, we're super witches. And we talk about things like, you know, putting people in hell dimensions all the time. So I suppose, you know, are we the March Hare and the... And the mad after, and which one's which? I don't know. We're kind of the Cheshire Cat and the. I I think the difference with the archetypes there, the, the Cheshire Cat appears and disappears when needed. Yeah, I guess be, so. It is one of those things actually, because you'll find this a lot. I think with um, 
adepts and mentors particularly yeah they appear and disappear and you always have to ask with the cheshire cat the cheshire cat looks like or it behaves like that he is subject to the rules of the land and has something to be scared of and stuff but actually if the queen is a troublemaker yeah is he actually I mean, is it just all a lie? Because, I mean, there, there's a thing where Don Alice get arrested and that at some point. And you kind of yeah, think, Yeah, because well, the Cheshire Cat. Yeah, the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> so the Cheshire Cat is like that mercurial kind of... Yeah. Um, Cheshire Cat's like, you know, let's go cause some trouble. You know, let's kick up a fuss. Let's see what we can do. Um, You know, let's go and see the Red Queen and, and, and make her look stupid and then get get Alice in trouble. But yeah, so I suppose technically we are the Cheshire Cat, I guess. But but does the Cheshire Cat do that? Because the Cheshire Cat knows that down the line it's all got to turn into some mysterious journey that they will learn something from. Or does the Cheshire Cat genuinely just not care and just mess things about? Because you can say that a lot about mentors, can't you? You could say, <laughs> well, does my mentor that's making me do this actually know that this is going to result in some sort of paradigm shattering amazing knowledge or are they just making it up as they go along and just having a having a laugh because it looks like that doesn't it from the outside if you're on the it journey does. it does but then to be fair i think most people would think that if they watched us with some of our mentees to be honest because it's because it's a pathway um that's actually supposed to benefit just them and it doesn't technically benefit us is I think that's where the difference is. I suppose if you were going to talk about, um, you know, the the likes of Gardner and Wicker, then you'd be starting to talk about this kind of process of gatekeeping designed to keep the the difference between the classes, you know, first, second, third degree. Um, and actually, until you're in the circle, you're not allowed to know the next level. Whereas I suppose for us, we because we don't have any kind of tradition in mind or want any kind of tradition left behind after we go, I suppose that's the big difference for us, isn't it? Is that we're not trying to create a tradition and we kind of don't care what tradition you come from. Um, it's more a case of, you know, what do you want to achieve uh, and we'll help you achieve it. In which case, it probably does like we just does look like we're just leading people down crazy paths and rabbit holes, <laughs> trying to just having a laugh. But you know, I suppose there is some truth to that. Have I just rambled, or was there actually some sense in there? I think what I get from that is a couple of questions. The first question is, how far down the rabbit hole do you think Gerald Gardner got? Gardner got. <laughs> <laughs> so answer that um, one first. <laughs> I suppose Gardner is probably slightly more like the uh, walrus in the carpenter. So, you know, he's just gobbling down these, uh, or um, these, uh, I went to call them orchids then, oysters, um, and tricking them all into giving him his power. I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to do. <laughs> but then maybe I'm just being judgmental of Gardner. I don't think he was clever enough to actually absorb other people's knowledge and power, but he tried. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Gardner got down that rabbit hole particularly far. I'm not sure he came out the other side in some some sort of mysterious wonderland, if I'm perfectly honest. No. But that's just going on as a magical practice. Um, 
and not the public magical practice, the secret magical practice that we're not supposed to know about but do. Um, so, okay, so in terms of then rabbit holes, you could think of a religion as a rabbit hole or you could think of a magical system as a rabbit hole and the founders or the creators of that magical tradition are kind of like the rabbit that you're following down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So, but obviously at some point they disappear. So what is that? Is that these are just doorways. So once you reach the pinnacle of the tradition of Wicca that Gerald Gardner created, like Gardner and Wicca or something, does that just mean that once you've got to that black belt level Wicca that you've only just started, you've only just got into, come out the other end of the, uh, the rabbit hole and you're now in the mystical wonderland and then you have to get a proper mentor like the Cheshire Cat? Because well, yeah, I think that's pretty much what has to happen. Other traditions and stuff, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah. and they feel like they've got as far as they can with the tradition that they're with, um, and want something different, um, but not necessarily a different tradition. They just want to get yeah. to an, a next level, don't they? Which I suppose in in Alice with Alice is just kind of yet another different party. Uh, of some description or get herself into some kind of new trouble. Um, She's you know, an adventurer. And that's what learning magic is kind of about, isn't it? It's adventure. So the structure of actually getting to the place with the tools for you to start an adventure is really the magical system that you're learning or the tradition that you're in. It's when you've mastered and you've got those tools in your little fool's knapsack for you tarot fans that you can actually yeah. start on a journey and a lot of people think that they're already in that state when they're starting their magical journey and going through all these initiatory degrees. But actually, you're only just setting foot towards the rabbit yeah. hole. The real stuff only get only gets there when you've got to that third degree, surely, because yeah. at that point you've then completed whatever part of that magical tradition is supposed to teach you. Yeah. At that point, then it should be you going out there to discover the next adventure and the next adventure after that. Uh, even within within your paradigm of Wicca, if necessary, but it should be pushing pushing the next boundary and the next boundary. Um, the question is whether or not these offshoots from from Gardner are they new um, new adventures or are they actually just a, a, a new lens on the original stories? Um, you know, are they just an adaptation as opposed to a new story um you know and how much because we're not part of those initiated initiated traditions is it a case of well actually all the way up to the third degree is is the same as Gardner set out to a certain extent and that actually the difference is probably what they'll do with it after that I don't know um maybe some of these Wiccans can tell us um, and educate us about what actually well, goes on. But then, find an oathbound, aren't they? I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't break their oaths, but they're not supposed to. I mean, I, I've always come to that conclusion or those conclusions or thought about that based on client work, so client stuff. So when you've got an initiate of a specific Wiccan tradition who's a high priest or high priestess that has been that for. 20 odd years, 30 odd years that were around in the 1950s and 60s that are still coming to you with problems, even though they've yeah. got that third degree and even though they are, 
you know, the high priestess of a specific coven, possibly even one of the founders of the tradition in the first place, possibly. <laughs> then uh, judging by the things that they struggle with and get stuck on, that tells you an awful lot about whether the magical traditions evolved, doesn't it? Because if the people at the top are struggling with things, if they're struggling just getting through the rabbit hole, then it might give you some indication of the rest of them that are the kind of underlings or the second or first degrees that are kind of, they're supposed to be yeah. trained. And I suppose you've got the added level there of the fact that the added complication, shall we say, of the religious aspect of it. And that actually, you know, the um, reverence part of any tradition takes up a lot of the time of that year. So every, every year, because they've got certain observances to complete mm. that don't actually necessarily um, push their magical practice, you know, you have those kind of, once you take that part out of your year of making sure you've done all your aspects and you've done all your, um, you've done all your Sabbaths and all that kind of stuff, you're left with less and less time, I guess, to actually mm. push your practice into new levels i suppose for us it's a case of we just design new ways to celebrate those but if they have a set reason you know a set group of rituals that they have to do each year because that's part of the practice then i suppose that then takes away from the time within the year for you to be pushing um mm. at which point it's going to take longer for a tradition like that to progress to the next level Whereas, you know, our limited experiences of some of the other offshoots like the Cochrans um, and some of the kind of traditions they've got over here, um, you know, traditional coven witches over here, where they use it slightly more as a loose framework of there is the story that is mapped throughout the year, but actually they find new ways to experience each of those. And I've got, I've got friends who observe um, kind of Obod and their kind of year and theirs is so ritualistic like down to the wording to the point that you know the one that they host each each year is the one that gets to be gets to be a bit more experimental because they're not actually obod but they're in with the obods so because they host that particular one they get to play with play with the um the order of the play shall we say um and, and makes that actually come out to be a little bit different whereas you know maybe maybe that is the restriction maybe that's the part that makes it more restrictive then equally we're not third degree wiccans so you know maybe we just don't know what goes on behind closed doors with all the clothes off <laughs> well so, so to sum that up because there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> You're talking about witches that frame their magical workings within a framework of festivals throughout the year. So whether it's solar yeah. festivals, those neo-pagan ones that they make up, you know, in the 1950s, yeah. or whether it's lunar cycles and lunar phases. Um, but obviously that's not all magical practitioners. If you think of mm. the people that we've met, and you think of some of the traditional witches. Let's ignore the Wiccans because they get too much fucking limelight. Let's be fair. We don't need to talk yeah. about Wiccans any more than anyone. Everyone already bloody does. Let's talk about some of the traditional witches, right? Mm. 
you think about the way they frame their rituals and their their magical workings but then you also look at the point of their magical practice and certainly some of the ones that we've met which you can probably know who i'm talking about um a lot of that's about the journey and the fun of the journey yeah. whereas when you when you change that and look at other types of magical practitioners like the magicians ceremonial magicians particularly a lot of that's about the destination isn't it so yeah. all of their work is about getting to a destination whereas you look at some of these traditional witches and a lot of that's more about the journey and the having fun on the way to who knows where yeah meeting new uh, spirits and yeah. exploring new parts of deity and and then you know riding the hedge and mm. just exploring like you know proper alice stuff of just kind of like well let's just I'm, I'm done with this now let's go find the rabbit somewhere else um mm. you know move on to the next scene and the next scene but yeah but what about the pros and cons of those approaches because rarely do you ever see a practitioner and i can't think off the top of my head a recent one we've had who merge both of those together so they've got a set kind of rough idea of where they want to go and they're aiming for that but they're perfectly happy it reminds me a lot of star trek voyager they're trying to get <laughs> home but they never end up getting home very quickly because they're always darting off in a completely different direction but they are they're kind of always heading for home aren't they so yeah, why yeah. isn't there a lot of star trek voyager type witches and magicians and such they they're either the let's mess about and see what happens kind of fooling around adventure seekers or they're the strict rigid i need to get tame this i need to get there you know in x amount of time before i die whatever but there's not a lot of blending of the two why do you think that is i think it comes down it's a lot of it's down to personality mm. um i think that's a large part of it um also you've got the problems that come with the the problems that come with the 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 fact of whether or not you're in a coven or not um that sort of that's then led by whoever's actually running the coven i guess you know most covens are then limited only by the person that's in charge so you know which is very very different because then in that situation you've got somebody leading the charge are you all leaning towards their destination or is the point of the coven or you know let's cause you know as many adventures as possible um depending on the mix of people so again it kind of still applies the personality rule because it's how well that group gel as a unit uh will be depend on what their personality the personality of the coven is i guess and allows you to kind of push which which one of those routes you're probably going to go down I'm trying to think if there is any people, uh, anybody I know that actually does that. But there are a lot of solitaries, I, I remember. A lot of the people that we meet on their magical journeys are solitaries. And the problem with that is that, um, or the, the good thing about solitaries is that when you train someone and they make a big breakthrough, that's brilliant. The problem is yeah. when you get someone who's a part of a group and you help them make a big group breakthrough, they struggle with the other members of the group that hasn't made that breakthrough and yeah. that i've always found that to be a big problem because it is almost like a lot of these groups and things they may vary in abilities and stuff 
and some may be specialists and on very specific kind of paths but all seem to meet together in a loose kind of fit and form but sometimes it can be a real problem when the herd doesn't move together on certain yeah. things and that's where a lot of times some of these covens collapse and that's a one of those things which some of the um but it's coven uh, politics isn't it at the end of the day yeah. it's it's also the same where it's it's the same way as it when you get all these groups online um where you've got thousands of people in these groups and they don't all agree because there's nothing there's they try to group themselves as a group in loosely by calling themselves hedge witches or you know or or pagans or or neo-pagans or or whatever they find a group that they think the umbrella covers them mm. um and then they find out well actually there is no creed to it it's not like a christian where if they're put from one particular group they have a text that leads them all or you know so at the i think the problem is always the fact that it's so individualistic yeah but then they yeah. use these titles to try and group themselves together and that's where the politics always happen because their experiences and what they do and how they practice are all so different um that you get these kind of arguments within groups and you just kind of like well does it really matter like if somebody else is practicing differently to you does it really matter because at the end of the day like surely it's the the journey and the destination that matter um and you're the only one going down that unless you're in a coven obviously in which case you're collectively going down um that rabbit hole or or trying to get to a particular party okay so so the next question i've got for you because we talk about wiccans a lot don't we but we don't talk about the other types of witches so so we're friends with uh some cochranites aren't we now would you we say are. they're like mad hatters because the mad hatters tea party is one where they love to just tell riddles over and over and over again till the end of time <laughs> and the teaching method of said coconuts is to tell riddles. Yes. Why is a raven like a writing desk? I'm wondering whether, yeah, I'm wondering whether some of our friends could answer the question of why is a raven like a writing desk? And also, mm. there's the kind of idea of um, eternally standing still at 6 pm, which happens to be tea time. So in terms of the the teaching methods of riddles and stuff like that, which we know a couple of people or several people now, actually, because they're not, probably not actually the only ones, now I come to think of it, that um, like to use a lot of riddles when teaching and keeping their kind of uh, metaphysical minds sharp, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose they like the games, don't they? Mm. Uh, which some people would probably consider to be gatekeeping, but it's not. It's well, a case of... I don't if it know. isn't, it isn't. Because everyone it isn't, says gatekeeping is when you don't tell me the answer. When you make it whereby it's not like in the textbook at school where it says all the answers in the back of the book. Mm -hmm. When you're actually having to work to do something for yourself, apparently that's gatekeeping now, from what I'm told. If I don't yeah, give the person that's... the answer, instead of making them work for it, apparently that, that's gatekeeping now. Yeah, but that's rubbish, insta-witch crap. So, like, let's not really base ourselves on that. True gatekeeping <laughs> is when you are, you have a series of goals that you want someone to get through and you want them to be able to find that gate on their own. 
And that difference, that is different to the case of gatekeeping is you're not ready for that. The, the whole point of it is as soon as you can ask the question in the right way um, in order to, the, to have earned that knowledge. And to the earn that knowledge, I mean by actually being able to understand it because this is this is why we get you know people get accused of gatekeeping all the time is because they want it to be like wikipedia um and no that wasn't a pun about wiccans but the the you know they want it to be a google drive you know they want to just put it in the search engine and kind of go oh i just want to pull this answer out now just because you've bought a few skull shaped things does not mean you automatically then understand necromancy like you know what i mean like there is that kind of you have to have done the work in order to get yourself to an understanding level or of that either you choose to do it that method or you go and get yourself a mentor that's going to get you to that point but those are your choices you either find your way there or you get somebody that's willing to help you get there. And that's, a, you know, and all gatekeeping is designed to make sure that you are safe when you get to the point. Because at the end of the day, it's it's about, you, the, you know, there is no guidebook to, the, uh, to any of the beyond the beginner stuff. So, you know, beyond that point, you are taking a risk. Like, this, you know, it's not, <laughs> there is no way of practicing witchcraft in a true sense and having a you know your safety belt on like the there is there is no way of practicing like that unless you're going to spend lots of money and time and energy working into making sure that you've got your seat belt on and you've got some airbags and all that kind of crap like you know right, I'm gonna have to cut you off there be, because we've now run out of time for the standard edition of this podcast so goodbye <laughs> And obviously, now we're on the Patreon, let's talk about actual gatekeeping, right? Because there's the gatekeeping which you've said, which is trying to help people along. But surely when you're actually trying to stop people from progressing and you're not putting red herrings in their, in their, in their steps and putting blocks up for them to overcome, you're actually putting blocks up to stop them and you don't want them to overcome. So does that do you would you class that as gatekeeping? Because that's what people conflate with. That's what people think that gatekeeping yeah, is. Yeah, that's I guess that's what they think that. of it of. But we yeah. don't operate in that way. So no, I guess that's why I don't is, think about it. Chris, I hate to break it to you, but there are some unscrupulous people out there that would dress themselves <laughs> up as mentors and market themselves as mentors <laughs> and gurus that actually don't want to help people progress, Chris. There's people that no, want to know. progression, you know? I know, I suppose we are unique in the sense that we have the, um, you know, any, <laughs> any information is fair game, uh, providing you can ask me the question in the right way. I just think that is, that's a safety mechanism but, you know, if somebody gets to that point, I don't, I suppose there are lots of these black lodges and stuff like that, then that don't want to actually get people to progress past a point. You know, and I'm sure there's lots of covens out there that are the same. You're not going to see as much of this with solitaries, I guess, unless you, like you say, you've got bad mentors out there. But I don't know. Does it matter? Would they be 
you wouldn't you hope that they would be smart enough eventually to see figure out what's going on when they see that actually they can't they can't levitate anymore because their energy is being sucked off by somebody else. Yeah, like, you know lot, what I mean? A, like, lot them, a lot of them are come from that vampiric kind of parasitic kind of thing where they're, you'll see certain people, not to name names, who end up preying upon a certain person that they pretend to mentor. They basically, they're through, they'll teach them enough to be useful they're free with them and they're no longer of use to them so they throw them aside and then find someone else to replace them it's literally like the old sith kind of mentality and if you think in um, yeah. in star wars so yeah, i mean well, it is out there i don't want to i don't want to pretend like that's not out there if you get what i mean i don't want to pretend no, no, like no. I, I get like, i get what you're pointing it out it's one of those things yeah we do need to point out that they, those people do exist um, and there's probably far more of them than we'd like to admit. But at the same time, like, I think if you're going to try and go down a rabbit hole like that, you need to be as sure as possible you can be about the mentor that you're going down that rabbit hole with. So I think uh, to a certain extent, that's that's down to the, the mentee. Like if you have met person you know you can't just be going out there going i'll take any mentor any mentor will do like i don't really mind any of them um you know and then kind of find that find out later that the one you picked is a dementor but you know like you've just kind of got that he's just going to suck your soul out like but then there is a certain part of of that that you are to blame for that if you've managed to out of the people that are available that you've been so eager just to progress under any means um, and have then gone and found yourself a bad mentor, surely that's as much your fault as it is the the soul sucker that's gone and going to abuse you. Like, you know, Ooh, there, there is that. Victim blaming, Chris. That's what they call yeah. victim that's what they call victim blaming like i'm not saying that i'm saying it's entirely their fault but i'm saying there is some blame well, to go yeah, there if we replayed this i think it would say something along the lines of surely is as much <laughs> oh we've got a purchase <laughs> someone keeps buying stuff from the Buff witchcraft shop honestly that's not a ringtone i forgot to switch my phone off and the till thing rings every time I don't I, think I do. you actually take any of this podcast seriously, do you? That's your problem. No, you don't, you you don't take any so of this good? seriously. Imagine <laughs> if we took this podcast seriously. Imagine how dreary and boring it would oh, be. It would Imagine be boring. It would be. Yeah, I mean, come on. Right. Um, the Queen, right? The Queen in Alice in Wonderland. Off with the heads. Off with his head. Off with his head. Why do people listen to her? No one likes her. What gives her the power, right? Why does she have Because it's bigger power? than everybody else. And as hungry. Because she's bigger than everyone else, did you say? Yeah. She's hungry. Right. And you don't mess with a hungry woman. Like, you just okay. don't. And then, you know, you've got to realise she is the only woman there as well. So you've kind of got one of those Queen Bee situations where she's going to eat you. Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't do as you're told. She's going to eat you. Like... You know, there's very much there's very much a hive going on there, hive mind. They all do Chris, as they're told. 
I was open for something a bit more profound with that. I we should have got David Icke on the show. He'd have said something <laughs> along the lines of, "Oh, well, there's the great evil that everyone knows is there, but everyone's too scared on an individual basis to to fight no. against." But if we all worked together, we'd realise that the Queen's power is an illusion, and we don't have to listen <laughs> to a sort of crap. I was open for something like that. Nah, nah. <laughs> Come on, you just you just compared you just compared solitary mentors to <laughs> to the Sith. Like, why why would why would my answer be any different to the one you've just given? Like, I did not do that. You're putting words yes, in my you mouth. Did. Normally, I'm the one yes, that did. No, you actually. I'm no. pretty sure what you just no. did was point out that friends of yours you would consider to be the Sith. Lord, no, no, I said yes, that's pretty much what you people, did. Some people are unscrupulous and do follow that Sith kind of thing. I'm yeah, not saying sure, that I associate with any of those people anymore. I'm not saying that I haven't used to, as you well know, you also have in the past. Um, but now I've been a Sith Lord in the past, but not this exactly, lifetime, exactly, exactly. That's all the past, so we can't be held responsible for our past, can we? Because what's done yeah. is done, even if it's still yeah. happening. But that's besides the point. Stop with this kindness <laughs> and illusion, Lark, okay? Go back to Alice in Wonderland now. Come on, can we have a, can we have a conversation <laughs> okay. about Alice in fucking Wonderland? Okay, yeah, we can. Okay. What were we, what were we, did I point out earlier that we needed to talk about? We need to talk about talking flowers. Animism. Even though even though technically that's not part of Alice in Wonderland, that's technically nicked from uh, Through the Looking Glass. But I'll let that slide because we're talking about the Disney version. Right, so animism, the idea that everything has a soul, essentially, even inanimate objects like a rock and shit. Even shit has a soul. Um, If the Gogathan, isn't it? let's, let's, Let's start off simply... So with plants and stuff like that, if it's a soul and it is alive, does it talk? And if it does, does it talk in English? So do you hear plants talk to you in English or is it some other kind of language type thing? What is this talking to plants really about when it comes to magic and animism for you? It's back to personality. To me, to me, plants and animals, and they have personality. So it's not necessarily a language as such, or, you know, it's more a case of um, like animals talking to each other. It's it's pheromones and uh, an instinct and all those kind of things. So it's it's, it's clear, all about stinks with you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's clear. It's clear. Sentient, it's clear sentience. It's it's that part of having a uh, shared understanding as opposed to necessarily a language with words. Does that make more sense? Okay, so they don't talk English. The flowers don't talk English to you. No. It gets the occasional do, tree. If they do the occasional talk occasional tree talks talks to me. Oh God, right. Because I was gonna say if they do talk to you, does that therefore mean that if someone says they talk to trees and they talk back in English that you would class them as crazy? 
And if based on what you've just said, would you only class the people that talk to sunflowers and they talk back in English as trade crazy? But if you talk to a willow tree, for example, that's allowed to talk it in English. I mean, ignoring no, the but it doesn't talk. To, it doesn't talk in English. Did you ever go I get to kind of. I get. I get songs and and right. music as opposed to. I don't get. I don't get words as such. I think it's still words. It's still not words, but it's just kind of like it's that mixture of sound that you could actually kind of say almost gets closer to words than it does right. with the flowers. If so that it's makes not sense. English language. It's not English language. Because at least it beginners, never has been for me. A lot of beginners would struggle with that. When people say they talk to plants and the plants talk back and stuff in this animism thing, they they automatically think, oh, it's talking English. Or it could talk yeah. like some random silly language like French or something. But, I mean, generally they would think it's talking to them in English or like Enochian or something. No, the closest you could get if you were to spend, it, it was to mix it with dreaming. So if you were mm. to then pull the spirit into a dreams into your dreamscape or your astral work that's different but i mean while you're conscious <laughs> um i don't i've never had a conversation with a plant if that makes sense in the normal way that people would think conversation is that better but there is some sort of a language and communication there that's on a, yeah. a different level so i'd call it language because there is things that can be conveyed through that which is a lot of the time. I mean, we haven't, we've recorded the uh, What Would Scott Cunningham Use uh, podcast, which I think might be coming out next or the one after. That goes into magical correspondences and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, we talk, I think, a little bit about animism and that. But I mean, is there anywhere else you want to go with animism? If you've got, say, a rock and that's mm -hmm. got a soul and such, and there's a language there, if you smash that rock up into like a couple of rocks, is that all part of that whole or are they all individuals? Is it like have a rock having a baby when you smash it up with a sledgehammer? Is that <laughs> how rocks procreate, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't I'd still go a truer animism point of view of they share soul. Um and it's not necessarily so I, I would say, you know, all the jade in Madagascar is 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 sharing that thing of being part of a whole so if you were to break it up it would still have access to the soul but it's not having a baby no um but there are individuals as well are you saying yeah quite... so so would you say that that's like a person such as yourself and then comparing the greater whole as British people because all of the people you're an individual but then there is like a community kind of a culture yeah culture there so you're kind of thinking of it in terms of you're a person that lives in England that's part of a country called England that's a part of a bigger thing called Britain and you've got that piece of jade that is an individual yeah. but it's part of a bigger whole which is the other jade that is there in that location yeah Right. Whereas living things are different because yeah. living right. things can produce or reproduce. So that's different. You're then generating a separate soul. Um, they still have collectives. Like, you know, I've come across some forests that just 
have a soul of their own. It, it's a collective kind of situation, like Borg. You know, they are one mind. <laughs> the um, Borg. What, yeah, what you more walk into a forest, and and if you stand there long enough, you can hear them say, "We are the forest. You will be assimilated." And then yeah. all the vines start growing around you. Yeah. Are they? Just, so, are you saying that forests are just really slow Borg? They just take ages <laughs> to assimilate things. Yeah, <laughs> that's what basically what I'm saying. But yeah, okay. whereas so living living things um, have that ability to produce new souls if that makes sense yeah. and that's how yeah. i would separate the two so whereas a whereas a rock has a soul as a whole and then you're just essentially creating horcruxes um what i'm saying is the difference between that is that when it's a living thing uh, when you get a plant to procreate it still has part it still has kind of hive network of being connected to the other versions of itself but has the potential to hold individual spirit so for me if you were to go and put um you know if you were to go and create a set of runes for example that that held life at one point which what is what allows it to be capable of holding energy uh, in that way um whereas you know with a rock there is a limit to that as to it won't grow um further if that makes sense it's it's different um if that's making sense i don't know yeah i i think it does i think people out there must be getting something from it otherwise they'd have tuned off by now they just switched us off by now and put a slightly less better podcast on like that bs free witchcraft one or something <laughs> <laughs> i've started listening to that i have to I say i was enjoying I, it the other day i expected it's, it better it's the voice. I think it's the voice more than anything. I think it's, it's the content. <laughs> it's too Wiccan. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but he is Wiccan. That's not his fault. That's no excuse. In my book, that's no excuse. Anyway, right. let's, let's leave the Wiccan bashing aside and let's not talk about lesser podcasts. Let's instead no, okay. talk about the astral world, right? Alice. Yes, yeah, so the dreaming. Alice dreaming. is dreaming. But she wakes up okay so she's gone her consciousness has gone from her astral body to her physical body because she's been woken yep. up by her sister or something i think it was um but that was it a crucial point where the the uh card guards were gonna chop her head off so when you wake up from an astral traveling and your consciousness shifts back over to your conscious body and you were in a fight or something on the astral. Does that there more for mean? And this is a secret that we're not supposed to give away, but let's 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 confuse people into not actually understanding what we're talking about now. Does that still happen? So just because your consciousness is left, does that therefore mean that these people that are chopping off your astral head aren't doing it? Or maybe you just <laughs> can't do that okay so if you've led so basically what you're saying is if if you managed to be chased down by something on the astral yeah and you went and jumped back into your body that all of a sudden it's freeze frame time i want to um, see if we disagree no longer that. access it is I that what you're trying to say i want to see if we disagree with this if, if we disagree okay. with each other sorry 
Okay. Because good, good television and good entertainment is all about polarity. And I think we agree with too much stuff. So I'm trying to think if there's something we disagree on so we can have an argument. Okay. Um, no. I suppose I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that just picks because you've got to make it it's got to be separated. So if you were talking about dreamscape, you would be talking about you can pick up where you left off because mm. that's an unconscious understanding and you talking between your conscious and your unconscious mind having a conversation. So dreamscapes, yes, you could pick up where you left off and the second you stop, the the chainsaw guy is no longer chasing you anymore. Um, the difference is if you're going into the astral, then no, there's nothing. If you've managed to be stupid enough to poke a big bear and he's running, chasing you down back to your body, there is nothing stopping him still ripping your astral head off. Oh, um, I thought we would disagree. That's the problem no. when you get two super witches in a Zoom meeting is the fact that they agree on pretty much everything. Sorry. That you'd say something stupid like, of course not. Because it was all just a miraculous <laughs> no. dream and it wasn't real. Yeah, but then I probably people don't 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 think about in there. They think about oh, I've got to protect my astral body and this and that. But when I'm not in my astral body, I don't have an astral body because there's only an astral <laughs> realm, an astral body. When I think about it, those people we call psychologists and psychotherapists. Yes. They think magic yeah. is all in your head. You see, as opposed to being yeah. actually real. In which case you're just you're just shifting your consciousness from one space to another, yeah. uh, and therefore it's uh, it's only your consciousness you should be worried about. Mm. No, because if it worked that way, then we wouldn't be talking about how we go we can go into the astral and ruin somebody's <laughs> life without them ever knowing that you've ruined their life because they're not capable of seeing what's being done to their astral body. So you know we would. <laughs> she is definitely dreamscaping. She's not she is not on the astral um in Alice in Wonderland, if that is what the question you were asking. Whereas no, people need to actually think a little bit more about what happens when they go on to the astral. But then I find that's also often a question, isn't it? We get a lot in these um Facebook groups and stuff like that where people aren't sure whether or not they've gone the astral or not. Mm. Uh whether or not they've they're actually, because uh, I, here, here might be where we disagree. What would you class the difference when we're talking about hedge riding? So when you talk, because I don't consider hedge riding necessarily to be astral travel. I find it kind of somewhere between the two. So when I think of somebody talking about he uh, hedge riding, they're not fully in the astral. They're riding along the veil. So that's how I see hedge, um, hedge riding, is that kind of, they haven't quite made it into the astral yet. They're actually talking about um, outer body viewing, auto viewing outside, so but not quite in astral. So you're thinking of hedge riding as in the cat that jumps on the fence and runs along the top of the fence is half in one yeah. guard in the other whereas i think some yeah. traditional hedge witches would see hedge riding as jumping over the hedge so they would be going in yeah. the astral if i'm perfectly honest with you i see hedge riding a lot like 
the kids that take the they go abroad on their gap years and take ayahuasca and have some crazy kind of shamanic experience which gives them deep <laughs> meaning in their life the difference is i yeah. see hedge writing is going and doing that but with a purpose in mind so you'll know that where you're going to go and do some work before you start that it's still drug taking i still see hedge witchery as mainly hedge riding with the use of um flying ointments and various other okay. potent lady poison-esque type drugs um which is why i wouldn't ever call myself a hedge witch because i don't really do that um no if we're going somewhere I, we're going somewhere on purpose yeah and i do see hedge witchery as they go there on purpose i'm just seeing it as they use um potions and the like in order to assist them with that that traveling um okay and, and do you see hedge you see hedge riding as assisted astral yeah i i see hedge riding as any sort of yeah work like that where you're using assistance and i'd say that okay. the assist normally is the um is the use of potions and psychotic you know drugs and stuff yeah. like that what the i same would way the shaman goes what I would be really interested in is when we interview Lady Poison eventually, getting her take on hedge witchery, because she's got what very she calls specific, it. Well, she's got very specific um, meanings of hedge witchery and doesn't like the modern term for hedge witchery, which is apparently all about you've got a green house and you like planting plants and cooking and yeah, all that, yeah. which a lot of modern people kitchen witches on Instagram and on social media like to think that hedge witchery is that you're a keen gardener and cook, whereas actually it is about yeah. crossing that, that boundary. It is about crossing. Yeah. Um, so I'd agree that it's about the crossing, but I always see it as it's, it's crossing with the use of other. Oh, okay. Um, but I may be wrong. I don't know whether... See, I, would, I would is. consider hedge, hedge witchery about being the other side assisted work mm. it's when they use the term riding the hedge to yeah. me that's that's the difference i would totally agree with what you've just described as um you know assisted astral travel is is um right you know uh hedge witchery crossing um is the method you know the method of choice which makes you a hedge witch in my mm. opinion it's when they use the term riding the hedge because to me riding the hedge kind of feels like it's a not quite in there mm. so i wouldn't have considered that an actual crossing i would consider that somebody skirting along the, the along the veil not quite in the astral kind of mm. looking but not there you know looking but not touching right okay so it's like surfing essentially surfing the hedge yeah Okay. Yeah, that's because so I when I when they use the term riding the hedge, that's what I think of. I know it comes down to actually the riding the hedge is actually the flying ointment being used as a suppository um, or a pessary. <laughs> but I, I where the actual term riding the hedge comes from, but because you know you're on a broom, so you know, like I, I get that. But I think when 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 I think of riding the hedge. I kind of think I think more of kind of skirting the veil as opposed to crossing. But, but Julia, that's me being pedantic. Up, we're going hedge surfing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, we've got five more minutes left. So is there one last topic that you want to cover? Because we've kind of talked a little bit about Alice in Wonderland, but we're missing a lot out, aren't we? Is there anything that you really want to cover? 
with Alice in Wonderland or expand on anything that we've said so far? Um, not really, other than the kind of dreamscaping part stuff still. That whole creating other worlds. Mm. I know we're going to struggle to get that in to five minutes, but we could also do, we could always do a second podcast, make it about the um, live action version and then still pick up the subject again. But yeah, so like, you know, with Johnny Depp and all. So, but is there anything you want to say about actual dreamscaping? about lucid dreaming, about controlling the the environment while in dream state? Um, I think of lucid dreaming as kind of like if you've ever watched The Matrix when they're in that training program. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're fully in control. But yeah. when you're actually, and it, it behaves a lot like The Matrix, but then when you're actually in The Matrix, there's a big difference and you're interacting with other things. So yeah. I'd say that that's kind of like Western Supermare. In Western Supermare, they've got this kind of like sectioned off Rockpool part of the sea. It's part of the sea, <laughs> but at the same time, it's a very controlled, it's controlled. area. Um, and yeah. actually, it's separate. When the tide's in, it looks like it's part of the sea, but actually it's not. It's a cement wall that kids like yeah. to smash bottles and put in to cut children's feet. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Um, whereas actually when you're talking about a lot of these astral temples and things like that that people build, they're kind of almost like boats or marinas in that, yes, they're in the sea, they're part of the sea, but they're still like territories to a certain yeah, yeah. extent. So they're a safety, safety net also slash working area, that kind of thing, but they're part of of the sea but yeah the same well you're not you've you've not got the vastness of the space known as the ocean but you yeah. still have the the tide flow in and out of the space yeah and it's still technically part of the sea as well whereas that rock pool thing yeah. isn't really technically part of the sea it's just comprised of the same stuff almost <laughs> yeah 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 it's a safe space hmm. for training no so no i like I like that. You, you always have a nice way of putting an analogy together. So is Someone it that's not very creative. Is it possible if these little people that want to try doing the astral stuff, is it possible to swim too far out into sea and then get whisked away by the tide, would you say? Or is that not a possibility? No, of course it's possible. At that point, you leave you just your a lot of people into not trying astral projection. Now you realise that, don't you? Mm. What about the little, knife, the little pull cord thing that goes through your through your centre, your little string, like they tell yeah. you Eastern but stuff. It, and that. There's still a possibility of you losing the cord or accidentally no, cutting it's a it magic off. cord, Chris. Surely it cannot <laughs> be cut. Would you mean to tell me that when you've got these students that go a uh, like when I used to take the kids that Dan and Sarah used to look after, um, the nursery kids and that, they'd take them all swimming and stuff like that. And you let down the um, the little uh, air things on their arms, armbands. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that you go along and you snip people's little astral cords so that they just go off into space? <laughs> yeah, essentially. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you're talking about a space that is shared by lots of people like that's why you know the safer option is things like astral temples where you're creating a space 
in which case that it has its own warding on top of the warding that's on your spiritual bodies um, and your astral bodies. Like, you know, but there is always that risk. But that's that's the whole point of magic is that it's scary and adventurous. Like if it was simple, then we'd all just be scientists, wouldn't we? This is true. This is true. Right. Well, there we go. I think that concludes yet another exciting edition of the, the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. I always have to think about what this podcast is called. That's really bad, isn't it? We're like on 30 odd episodes and I always still have to think, what's the name of the podcast again? But yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone for supporting us on Patreon. And if you want to make a suggestion for an episode, then please do. But the bitch ended up calling me sweetie. Oh dear. Oh. So, say you want to protect yourself from spiritual negatives. What's, what are your suggestions? Be direct, Liam. Not beating about the bush, sweetheart kiss <laughs> where was this Ooh, on the no holes bar witchcraft group and i put back if it's just general energy that you consider to be negative i'm presuming this isn't some spirit that you don't like which you're deciding to call negative then i suggest making a few alterations to your aura both surrounding your physical body and your astral body it would be much better to feed off of that negative energy, transmute it into something which is helpful. What are you calling negative energy exactly? But she didn't respond. So there we go. Well, I was struggling there because I was, well, I was struggling because I wanted to answer the question, but at the same time, I can't come up with a simple thing that I can write in a couple of paragraphs and stick on Facebook, which is the ultimate form of protection for the astral world and your astral body. So I was kind of trying to get her to actually start giving scenarios and stuff, which of course she never did, but there we go. And although I don't like to bitch about people, it was one of those ones which unfortunately, she hasn't messaged back yet and I'd really like to talk to her more about it because she posts quite interesting things. But there we go. So what do you want to protect your spirit, yourself from spiritual negatives? What are your suggestions? Be directly and not beating about the bush. That was the end of a, a longer conversation. But yeah. yeah, no, I can I can see it. But anyway, I don't know whether to include this in the actual end of the <laughs> end of the podcast. They might get a kick out of it. <laughs> We better oh, stop dear. recording now. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> it's still recording.